Welcome once again to Action Church. Uh, if we have not the pleasure of meeting, my name is Justin Daly and I get to lead uh, Action Church. Starting a brand new series today, It Is Written. So excited about it. Before we get into it, I want to remind you, Easter is coming up in just a few short weeks. We have 12 identical services Friday through uh, Sunday uh, at Winter Park and South and Sanford and Oviedo. We'd love for you to be here. What a great time to celebrate uh, as a church family the resurrection of Jesus, we really do have the, the most to celebrate in all the world that Jesus has risen from the grave, that he paid for your sins on the cross, but he did not stay in the grave, that victory is ours in Jesus' name. What a time to celebrate as a church family, but also bring new people. So come on, be thinking about it uh, this week, praying about it over the coming weeks, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Come on, bring that crazy family member to church this year. You know what I mean? You can get rid of that crazy family member. And I don't mean murder, I mean salvation in Jesus' name. Come on, invite them, save them a seat. Maybe on the other side of the auditorium, that's fine. We'll save them a seat. Just get them in the doors. We really believe that this service will not only be impactful for our church family, but really strategic and creative and a clear presentation of what Jesus did, who he is, and what he can do for all of us. We really would love for you to bring people who don't know Jesus to church on Easter Sunday. Heck, bring them before that, but we'd love to see them uh, Easter Sunday. It is written week one. We're gonna talk over the next three weeks about the three responses that Jesus had when he was confronted by our enemy, his enemy, Satan, in the wilderness, the three temptations of Jesus, he responds with the, the scripture says, or uh, in the New King James, it is written. And he's referencing a, an Old Testament uh, passage, mostly in Deuteronomy. We see him quoting scripture to then contradict what the enemy is presenting to him or tempting him with. It is written, when we face opposition, our response should be the truth in the word of God. So I thought we'd have a little fun today, uh, play a, is it written? So there's a series is, it is written. And I wanna ask the question, is it written in scripture? I have five examples and this needs to have participation. Come on, we are participating church. This is not a concert. This is not a show. I'm not a comedian. You did not pay to get here. So we are having a continual conversation every week. Some of you are better than others. I'm not an orator. I'm not a lecturer. We're just walking through this journey together. So participate if you would like. If not, participate in a different church. Just kidding. Just kidding, don't leave, don't leave. And if that offends you, you're gonna leave sooner than later, so maybe, <laughs> maybe go ahead. It's been nice. Just kidding, please stay. Or don't. Is it written? Here, here's four things. The first one is this, is it written in scripture? Just find me a woman who can talk to the spirits. I'll go to her and find out what's going to happen. That sounds like an infomercial at midnight. Is it written in scripture, yes or no? Yes, raise your hand. No, raise your hand. No, no. Oviedo, please. It is written. Yes, it is written. That's Samuel 28, verse 7. Here's another one. Is it written, the ultimate in care? The ultimate in care. Is it in the Bible? Raise your hand, yes. Raise your hand, no. Raise your hand if you want me to move on from this illustration. <laughs> A lot of hands up. You're offensive. <laughs> The ultimate in care, that is not in the Bible, that's Huggies, that's a, <laughs> Huggies. Your love, your love is better than wine. 
Sounds like an R&B song. Sounds like something we probably shouldn't play at Songfest. Is it in there, yes or no? Is it, yes? A lot of hands up, no? Okay, yes, that'd be Song of Solomon, chapter one, verse two. Song of Solomon is spicy, y'all. If we ever... Yeah, if you're new to this thing, you think the Bible, like Christians are just boring and bland and the Bible is just full of just safe things. No, it's just some Old Testament stuff that gets a little scary. And Song of Solomon got a little spicy. It's basically, it's PG-13. Like we, we, we don't do a lot of Song of Solomon back in Action Kids. You know what I mean? You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta have the birds and the bees talk before you get to Song of Solomon. Here's another one. If I found you outside, I would kiss you. Is it written in the Bible? Yes, raise your hand. No, a lot of no's. That's actually Song of Solomon, chapter eight, verse one. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's starting to pick up the pace. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's going for it. Last one, sing till the power of the Lord comes down. Sing till the power of the Lord comes down. Is it written in the Bible? Yes, hands up, no. About 50-50, that is not in the Bible, that is Kanye West, and so. <laughs> Although you can say praise until, yeah, you, it, it could be taken there. That's Kanye. Here's the main theme for the next three weeks. That when we face the things of this world, when we face temptation, when we face decisions, where it be either righteousness or unrighteousness, purity or, or sin, that we need to focus more on what Jesus said and what the Bible says than anything else. It's what he illustrates here uh, with his life in Luke chapter four. Let's read the first 13 verses. Again, we'll cover all 13 verses uh, over the next three weeks. We'll camp out in verse, uh, verse four today. It says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Remember the Holy Spirit had descended upon him after his baptism. The heavens opened up and, and, and his father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus has now been baptized by John the Baptist. He's been fasting and now he's being tempted. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all in that time and he became very hungry. Come on, some of us can't not eat for 40 minutes and we're hungry. <laughs> 40 days. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. Notice his response. The scriptures say, New King James, it is written. Then the devil took him up and revealed him to all the kingdoms and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world. In a moment of time, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it to you if you worship me. Jesus replied, the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, look at the enemy. Jesus responds for the scriptures say twice. The third time, he's conniving, he's creative. Can't create anything, but he's always twisting. Now he's quoting scripture. The enemy doesn't always just tempt us or deceive us with obvious things. Sometimes he begins to tempt us with even religious things, even the word of God out of context and misconstrued. Look at that, the scriptures say. He will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. Jesus responded, the scripture also say, 
you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him, check this, until the next opportunity came. A couple of things. You have to know the word of God to use the word of God. You have to know the word of God well in case the enemy is twisting it or people are twisting it out of context. And then it says he left him until the next opportunity came. So this opposition, this temptation is not something that is just stops, starts and stops. It's not just something for a season when you're a new believer or when you're weak. It says I mean, he's always looking for the next opportunity. We know that once we give our lives to Jesus, the enemy can no longer destroy us, but he will distract us with sin, with temptation, and he will try and keep us from God's best for our life. And so we need to know the word of God. We need to be in the word of God, and we need to trust in Christ alone. Here's the, here's the lie. The lie is what you desire, what I desire, is better than what God will provide. What you and I desire in the moment, what you and I see, what you and I can plan, what you and I can fulfill is better than what God will provide. The promise, and this is gonna be simple and redundant today, but the promise is Jesus is the bread of life. That Jesus is the, the bread of life. Verse four, it says, but Jesus told him, no, scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. And we'll study that at the end of our time together today in Deuteronomy chapter eight. And temptation promises us that our desire is better than God's promise. So I wanna talk about temptation for a moment. I got three things, if you're taking notes, that I want you to write down this morning across all of our locations about temptation. We have to understand what it is at, at its foundation so that we can then begin to see it clearly so we can make the right decision. Write this down if you're taking notes. Temptation is not from God. Temptation is not from God. James chapter one, verse 13 through 15. When tempted, no one, not anyone, should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Sometimes we blame the devil for our own desires. We mean the devil's out to get me. No, you're out to get you. What do I mean by that? We live in a fallen world. We have what the Bible calls a sin nature. All too often, it's our own thoughts, our own motives, our own desires that, that drag us away. Well, we give, sometimes we give the enemy too much credit. Now, he's there, and he's conniving, and he's manipulative, and, and he is the, the, the father of lies. So I'm not saying it's not always the opposition, but sometimes you're your own worst enemy is all I'm saying. Then, after our desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And so we have to, to figure out how we handle temptation so we don't get into sin and then continual sin into death. Temptation is not from God. You need to know that. The second thing is temptation is not avoidable. Temptation is not avoidable. If oftentimes we are dragged away by our own sinful desires, we cannot just remove everything from the world and think that we're gonna be safe from temptation because we're still there. 
and our weaknesses are still there and our insecurities are still there and, and our own desires are still there. It's not my opinion, 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. I wanna stop there just for a moment. A lot of times we say God will not give you more than you can handle. No, 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 God will always give you more than you can handle in this life so that you rely on him. What it's saying here, that's, in a, that's a principle just in life. What it's saying here is God's not gonna allow us to be tempted more than we can handle. When it comes to sin, he, he's basically, he's setting you up for success. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in your weakness. So there's always a way out of that temptation. God will make a way out of it. I just want you to get those confused. But here's what I wanna get to, not avoidable. But when you are tempted, not if, not maybe. I'm just gonna avoid temptation, Pastor. You know, I'm just not gonna listen to that. I'm not gonna go there. I'm gonna boycott this and I'm gonna boycott that. You're still there. Just because we remove everything from the world, we're called to be in the world but not of the world. And I'm not saying to put yourself in dangerous situations. I'm just saying you cannot avoid temptation. It's not avoidable. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Temptation is not from God. Temptation is not avoidable. Here's the last one. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. So many times we feel shame or guilt when we're tempted, and that's the enemy. Temptation cannot be a sin, because look at what Hebrews chapter four says. It says, for we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. If temptation was a sin, Jesus would have disqualified himself from being our savior. He was tempted in every way. Not just these three times. Not just these three statements. Can you imagine the, the temptation to, to sin when you're, all your friends betray you? When the people that you healed are now yelling crucify, the temptation was there, the desire was there, but the choice was to not give in to the temptation, but to live righteously, Amen. tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That's why we need a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. How do I overcome temptation, Pastor? Jesus. Not a list of rules. Do you need good boundaries? Yes. Do you need to have good steps in your thought life? Yes. Do you need to have accountability? Yes. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus as the first and foremost priority, if he is not the end all be all, the bread of life, you will not be able to do this. The relationship with Jesus is important because he's been there before. And I love listening to somebody, learning from somebody that's not just thinking, pontificating, posturing, just saying it so much out loud that now everybody believes it. Jesus is an expert on overcoming temptation. So we need to learn from him and draw close to him. Have you noticed in our world, how now everyone is an expert on everything? Come on, two years ago, we had medical experts. Come on, then we had political experts. Come on, now we have 
war strategists. It's quiet in here. You're like deleting Facebook posts right now. <laughs> I didn't know you worked for the CDC. That's amazing. I never knew that, Bob. I thought you were in computer software. All of a sudden, you know how to solve all the world's problems. It says Jesus has empathy, which means he's endured everything that you and I can endure. So he's the perfect person to follow. Amen. I want to follow someone who's been there before. Jesus is not saying, I think. Jesus is not saying, you know, I, I feel. His response to the enemy was not, I think, I feel. I've studied. It was, here is what God's word says. And the only response to, to, in a healthy way, overcome temptation is to go back to the word of God. Not say, I think. Not say, I know. Not say, I feel. No, this is what God's word says. Because it's real, church. Come on, let's play it out. Whatever you're tempted with, I don't know. It says you're dragged away. I'm dragged away by our own desires. Maybe it's substance. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's a man or a woman. Maybe it's your insecurity. I don't know what it is. You, you fill in the blank. Whatever you're being tempted with. What if we just took a, a TO, a timeout, get you a little 30-second break and play out the outcome of what could happen? Let's quit making quick decisions and play out the outcome of what we're actually being approached with. Two things that I think growing up with a religious background that could be dangerous ways to think is that temptation is sin because all too often once we make the first mistake, it's easier to make the second mistake and shame and guilt comes in when we're tempted and then we fall into sin when we could have gotten away out. The second one is that I was told that sin was awful. I don't know how many sinners we have in this room, but sin is not awful. The consequences of sin is awful, but sin can be fun. I mean, you go downtown on a Friday night, people are like, oh, this is miserable. You know, you get that number one, like, supersize, you're like, man, this is great. It ain't gonna be great a few hours later or a few years later if you do it every week, but in the moment, like, this, this tastes good. Sin is pleasurable. It's just the old Christian saying, it takes you further, keeps you longer, and costs you, you more. And so play the long game. Play out the outcome. What, where's this gonna take me? And then allow the word of God and the things of God to begin to change you and, and to challenge you. The lie is the things of the world will fulfill you. The truth is they won't. Come on. Ecclesiastes 1, I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it's all meaningless, like chasing the wind. Come on, can we just be honest? I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it was a, a relationship you always desired. Maybe it was a, a championship. Maybe it was a promotion. Maybe it was some of your kids' academics or athletics. Have you ever noticed that on the other side of your greatest victories, you're still there? It didn't fulfill you. Wow. You wake up 
feeling the same. You have the same strengths, the same weaknesses, the same insecurities. If you're honest with yourself, there's nothing you've ever bought and there's nothing you've ever achieved that actually made you feel different on the inside. Why? Because that's like chasing the wind. To pastor, that's not true, it is true. If more stuff, more relationships, more significance was the goal, then everybody that had it would be the happiest and most joyful people in the world, and it's just not true. And on whatever level of success, whatever success is to you, if you're really honest, the trophy looks good for a couple of weeks and then it's not talked about anymore. The promotion or the bonus was nice, but it didn't make you feel any more significant. The relationship, man, they are attractive and they, they are great and they, they fit and they fill all of these voids, but at the end of the day, if you don't work on you and your relationship with Jesus, you'll still have the same insecurity and the same void on the other side. What I'm here to tell you is living for fulfillment on this earth, it's like chasing the wind. It's like chasing the wind. I wrote this down th this week. We are designed for more than a trivial pursuit of pleasure or success. The hard truth is that we will never find relief if we continue to seek it through possessions or through people. Seeking satisfaction in things of this world is like chasing the wind, according to Ecclesiastes. Once you finally exhausted, or once you are finally exhausted and weary from your pursuit, you're left empty-handed and disappointed. You've wasted valuable time chasing nothing when you could have been pursuing true joy and peace. At the end of the day, we're just gonna be tired from the pursuit. Have you thought about when the worst decisions of your life are made. For me, it's usually after the biggest victories or when I'm the most tired. Can you imagine how tired and hungry Jesus was? My man's just been walking around the wilderness. I just, remember Exodus chapter 13, 14, Jesus, or, or God leads the people of Israel out of, of, of slavery. He has them take the long way and they go around because they weren't ready for battle. I just always Wonder like why God always kind of takes us the long way. Jesus gets baptized. Can you imagine if God showed you everything he's gonna have? Like Jesus is like, I'm gonna get baptized. I'm going to work for dad. He's like, no, you're getting baptized. And you're going to the wilderness and not eat and be tempted. You know what I mean? Like just, just throwing that out there that God's ways are not always just deductive in one step at a time. So we see him here exhausted. And sometimes we make our worst decisions when we are exhausted. We make our worst decisions when we are at the end of our rope, if you will. I see this here because Jesus is being tempted with turning a stone into bread. And you gotta think, you gotta think my man needed some bread. You know what I mean? Like it, it had to be like number one from Chick-fil-A. Like, you know, it had to be, it had to be your favorite steak or your, your favorite Mexican restaurant. It, it, it didn't matter what it was. You ever been so hungry it didn't matter what it was? Come on, if you fasted with us here at Action Church in January, you know you'll crave anything about day four or five. Every fast food restaurant, like any, don't matter. It can be like Captain D's or Long John Silver's. I will take a fried fish right now. I would pull in that drive-through and eat it hot in the parking lot. I am not ashamed. One county over, so nobody at Action Church sees me at Long John Silver's, but that's not the point. You ever notice you make your worst decisions? You ever go to the grocery store hungry? Yeah. Then like three days later, you're like, what in the world is this? It looks so good in the moment. And that's what temptation and that's what sin is. Wow. It looks so good because we have these fleshly desires, we have these sinful desires, and it would be good 
Jesus could have. But I guarantee you that first bite would have been amazing, but that second bite would have been full of shame. And there's something about when we begin to walk in that, we make those decisions from that place. We leave ourselves vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And sin and living to fulfill our own desires will always lead to discontentment. Jesus really is the the bread of life. He, He is all that you need. Pastor, that's too simple. No, it's just the gospel. What about everything else? What about all the next steps and all of the the boundaries and all the other things? Yes, great next steps, but never a foundation. Pastor, it's too simple. No, the gospel is simple. Following Jesus is simple. I surrender all of me, I take on all of you, and I follow you. It's, It's not complicated. God is the God of order and he made a way to you and to me through his son Jesus. The enemy is what is the person that complicates things. And the enemy always complicates because he can never create anything. So because he can't create something new, he just sometimes complicates the obvious. And it's amazing how dumb we get when we're deceived because he is the author of confusion. And so we get into these places and we get into these things and we get into these moments and we're so confused that we begin to make poor decisions. Have you ever noticed that a lot of times, uh, right before we make a really poor decision, we say this statement, I deserve? I deserve this. I deserve something different. You know what? I've been through a lot. I, I deserve. I need. What if Jesus would have responded with, I? Let me just be really clear. I, in the midst of any situation, but specifically in the midst of temptation or turmoil or trial or even testing from God, I is always a really poor start because when you're the center, when you're the foundation, it means you have to be in charge of the solution and the result. That's why Jesus didn't respond with, hey, I think this is a good idea. Hey, I'm gonna do this. He could have said, you know, I've got good friends and I've got good boundaries and no, I'm, I'm fasting. No, he looked back and projected back and said, no, here's what the scriptures say it is written because the truth is church you and I do not have any authority over the enemy except through Jesus we have authority over temptation we have authority over sin we have authority over the grave why because of Jesus it is in Jesus name and the authority of scripture that we have power why do we keep falling short because you're taking all of the responsibility on yourself I'm going to be better I'm gonna tuck in, I'm gonna button up, I'm gonna make good decisions, I'm gonna be disciplined. All great second, third, fourth ancillary steps, but the first step, the only thing that gives you power, you are all potential until you build your life on Jesus and Jesus alone. But when you build it on him, you have power to overcome any situation. The lie is the world will fulfill, the truth is that only God can do that, only God can fulfill you. John chapter six, verse 35, it says this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. Psalm 107, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with with good things. John seven, verse 38. God is most glorified in us 
when we are most satisfied in him. So the closer we are to him, the more his glory is projected in us and through us. Not the more we do for him, but the more we look like him, the more we act like him, the more we talk like him. As we drink daily from the cup of Jesus, it becomes evident to those we interact with that Jesus is enough and our hearts will flow rivers of living water. So I wanna close week one with asking you this question. Come on, at all of our locations. What are you feeding yourself? What's your diet like? And I'm not talking about food. Are you like me that you, you kind of always develop a, a taste for things that you eat the most? When you're eating healthy, healthy things start to taste good. When you're eating really bad, it's like, man, you crave what you feed yourself the most. And maybe to get past pain or trauma, to get over what you did or what somebody did to you, you, you fed yourself things that they're just not gonna last. Some of them are sinful things in and of themselves. Some of them are really good things that became sinful things because you turned them into an idol. Or you turned them into a vice. I'm talking success, I'm talking victory, I'm talking relationships. Really good things that God gave to you as a gift to be used for his glory, but it's given you significance or it's given you contentment all fine things as long as they don't take the place of your relationship with Jesus. It is not by bread alone. It is not by nourishment alone. It's not by success alone. It is not by significance or fulfillment alone. It's, it's by Jesus alone. What are you feeding yourself? And then here's the last question before we pray and close out week one. What are you feeding yourself and then how are you preparing for the next moment when you're tempted? Begin to develop a strategy that's not based on a block or even a pastor or a religious experience that's based on the word of God. You need two things to overcome temptation, a relationship with Jesus because power in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. A relationship with Jesus and the authority of the word of God. The only way we win, we respond to the enemy is with the word of God. And to respond with the word of God, you gotta know the word of God. So that's my challenge as we take this journey this week is let's do some self-reflection on what, what are we feeding ourselves? And then how are we preparing? How are we preparing to fight this battle? Before we close, I wanna read you Deuteronomy chapter eight. I got so excited, I almost forgot about it. 
start, just talk, start talking about Jesus. Just get you excited, man. It's a world that complicates everything so much. Just the clarity of a relationship with Jesus, it really is all that you need. Pastor, I'm going through tough stuff. It doesn't matter. Eternity's longer. God, I've got everything I ever needed. Not if you don't have Jesus, because life is short. Here's who he's referencing. Here's what Jesus is referencing, and then we'll close. Uh, Chapter 8, verse 1, Deuteronomy. Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving to you today, which to obey them, you have to know them. Then you will live and multiply, and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. We'll talk about the number 40 in weeks to come, 40 years, 40 days. Humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. So he let you get to a place where you had to rely on him and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. He did this to teach you that we don't live by bread alone, that God's ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. He gave them manna every single day and never too much so they would rely on him. Jesus saying, I I could do this, but then my reliance would be on my flesh and not on my father. And so that's what I wanna take a journey through week one is that our full reliance is on God the Father, what he can provide, and not what we can do on our own accord or our own power. Would you bow your heads at every location, every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. In Luke chapter four, Deuteronomy eight, we thank you, Lord, that you are in control. You are on the throne. Church, I wanna give you an opportunity right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. I wanna give you an opportunity to, to start a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe for some of you to, once again, make him the the foundation of your life by recommitting your faith. Let me be clear, Jesus is the Son of God, living a perfect life that's important because you and I could not. And unholy people could not be reconciled to a holy God without a sacrifice. There had to be a perfect substitute, and that's what Jesus was. His life made it possible for him to die in your place and in my place. What we deserved, he took on the cross. And through his sacrifice, we gained access to grace and mercy, forgiveness and salvation. The story didn't stop there. In fact, he was resurrected three days later, which gives us access to victory, power over sin in the grave. Our responsibility is this thing called surrender. Because Jesus is Lord, he's in control. You and I have to surrender what we are holding on to and make him the the Lord of our life, the foundation, the end all be all. How do we do that? The Bible says in Romans 10 that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, so even more than savior, more than friend, more than king, all of those are key attributes and who he is. But for our purposes of coming into a relationship with him, it is Jesus as Lord, not my will, but his will, surrendering to God. If you wanna surrender your life to Jesus today for the very first time, or you wanna surrender your life once again, recommit your life today, 
Make him the foundation. Make him the filter. Make him the priority. I want to give that opportunity right now to all of our locations. Nobody look around. Just a moment between you and God. Come on, Winter Park, Oviedo, Sanford, South. Action online. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Starting a relationship, recommit. I got one, two. Man, I'm proud of you. Come on. Hands shooting up everywhere. Must be six or eight, ten on the floor. A few more in the stadium. Proud of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team sees you. God sees you. Yep, gotcha, gotcha. Come on, Sanford. South Orlando and Oviedo. Come on, maybe right there in your living room right now. So proud of you. You can put your hands down. Why don't you pray this in your heart as I pray out loud. Say this. Say, God, I love you. God, I thank you. I thank you for saving me. God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I'm saved only by your grace. I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. God, I give you that place today, complete and total control. Have your way. Have your way in me. Now, God, we thank you. We thank you for meeting us here today. We thank you that you've given us an example to follow. I pray that as a church we do that this week. We'd invite you into every situation and then we'd have a plan a plan of attack, a, a plan of protection, a, a plan to engage and overcome this temptation because we're gonna do it by the power of our relationship with you and the power of the word of God. We love you. We praise you in this place. Everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate all the decisions that were just made? Come on, really celebrate them.